You ever heard of a band called Zeke? You ever heard of a band called The Frogs? Oh, taste, you've got taste. Never would have known that, you know, meeting you at a program show. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. Welcome to the Live on Four Legs podcast, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. Uh, Randy here, Matt there, and Matt, I feel like for the last couple of shows, I have kind of stiffed you on the intro, and it's been by complete accident, um, you know, just just sort of me rambling on and on and on, and then, you know, four minutes into the show, you're like, oh, hi, I'm talking, hi. Uh, people know I'm here. I know, no people do know you're there, but what if they're listening for the first time? I have to kind of introduce you and and well, you know, spotlight you. You know, when you have a guest like John Ferrar on, you got to jump right into him. I think people understand that. I, I I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I mean, I actually think John Ferrar probably should have just started off the show by himself last week, and uh, he should have hosted. We could have taken it from there for sure. No, I'm not. I'm not putting that. I'm not putting that idea into his mind. He's going to think that <laughs> he's going to be the host next time, and that that we're going to go totally off the rails. Um, yeah. Uh, how are you, sir? Tell tell us a little something good. Uh, I don't really have much good to say. I mean, I did the whole you know Mets opening weekend, and uh, each game I went to, they lost badly. So the only game I went to this weekend, they won, and they almost didn't win. So I don't. I, I, that's, that's fresh too. That that was just yesterday. We're recording this on Monday, and uh, that's those those were my events for the weekend, and that's <laughs> that's the those are the memories I took from it. How how much of uh, WrestleMania did you watch? Zero percent. Zero point zero. Zero point zero. It was uh it was a very long show, very long show. But for those of you who uh, haven't uh paid attention to it uh the winner of the main event was becky lynch who is a massive hardcore pearl jam fan yeah so the post you uh put up today that was pretty cool yeah yeah no she like she's legit man i didn't know that until a couple of months ago she uh 
she actually some uh, somebody from some radio station in Seattle uh, found out and that she didn't have tickets to the Safeco shows, so they got her tickets and she she's off and in this video she's kind of like rattling off sh- the same kind of spiel that you know we talk about when we talk about songs and like fans talk about when we talk about songs. You're listening to her, you're like, oh yeah, she's she's not just somebody that just likes you know a couple of popular songs. She's just, name dropping infallible and parachutes and and that kind of stuff so that that's a good way to know somebody is uh is legit a fan sounds good to me i I, it i like being surprised i don't like to think that oh you probably aren't a fan of this band but it's uh no but but you know what i mean right it's 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 cool to find out when people are fans of bands that you're 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 a fan of as well i i think that a lot of it has to do with you know the nirvana fashion uh uh trends yeah exactly yeah where it's just become really fashionable and trendy to wear a nirvana shirt where you know that they're have never listened to nevermind or an euro or or bleach or any of that stuff so (laughs) and and normally when you see someone in a pearl jam shirt it's not like it's not very fashion forward and you say oh they must be a fan because they probably wouldn't be wearing that to go to a club or something right yeah <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect a lot of that, a lot of dad shirts and and not baseball hats but caps it's a big the difference caps. there yeah yep the caps <laughs> and everyone so, who's been to a pearl jam show knows exactly what we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh so sir what are we doing today why don't you tell everybody i'll i'll let you kind of steer a little of this ship for a second yeah we are going uh we're shipping up to boston of course i had to make that we're talking about dad clothes i'll make a dad joke <laughs> there uh for the orpheum theater april 12th 1994 yeah a lot of uh i i the more that you dig into 1994 the more great stuff and great gems that you find and uh the day that this is released, uh, Friday the twelfth. If you're listening to it on this date, this is exactly the 25th anniversary of this show, which is exactly why we wanted to do it today. We we try to line these things up as best we can. Yeah, and we actually, I think we have another anniversary uh, of another show coming up in about a month or so, um, and. I, I didn't even realize that that was the date. And then when I found out it was, just kind of stars align, you know? Perfect. I like it. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty popular show. I think a lot of people know it from its bootleg. Um, there's a really good bootleg story that we're going to share later. But, uh, you know, I, a lot of people, it kind of went, you know, the story went around and what they did at the show. And, uh, uh, you know, it became this thing the thing a legend and uh people went and they chased it and then after a while uh after they chased this bootleg um pearl jam actually released this as part of the versus vitalogy uh reissue uh part of that package so this was the the third disc of that package um and then after that like about what what was it over the summer that they released this uh, as a vinyl on its own oh you know what i had just looked it up because i was curious because um i was trying to think of when i got it it was i I feel like everybody was talking about it over the summer because it was a newberry comic thing and yeah well i know there was a um there was a pre-order date that uh was i would assume was probably about a month or so before it actually came out 
Um, I just can't remember what the actual release date was. I want to I want to say that it was sometime in like July or August. Yeah, it's probably it was before the right. Fenway shows. But you know, if 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 we're wrong, then uh, call us out on it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Before you know, before we talk about this more, I just uh, I want to mention that tomorrow, if you're if you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow we have a, a Patreon episode uh, out, and I kind of want to get this out of the way because I always feel like. Toward the end of the show, I don't know if, if people are still tuning in or not. Uh, you know, sort of as we hit who you are, you're like, okay, well, it's the end of the show. So I, I don't I don't know that for a fact. Uh, we have no metrics, no analytics on this, but I just want to let you all know that, yes, for all you Patreon donors out there and for all you uh, that would like to be Patreon donors out there, there's always a chance you can always join in for however amount that you would like to uh, contribute to the show. Um, there will be a Patreon episode this week, hopefully tomorrow, Saturday, Easy Street Records. Uh, we're going to do the full show and not the modified show that the record store release is going to release, uh, which, funny enough, um, there is a modified version of this that was released from the Newberry Comics, uh, too, for the Orpheum show, so mm-hmm. kind of ties in together. Uh, but anyway, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. Uh, join us, contribute to, to the show, and you get, you're going to get a lot of stuff. You're going to get not just exclusive episodes, which we're going to intertwine some new things uh, now. We have some new ideas, so, uh, you know, maybe... You know, smaller stuff, but kind of get you guys some more content in and out that we might not we might not share on on this show. We might not get to that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, aside from the exclusive, exclusive episodes and Matt, what else do you get from being a patron? Well, you could come on the show. You could. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, it's we want you on the the show. The offer is there. Yeah. And people usually take take that offer and they they run with it. Right. I I enjoy it. Yeah. No, everybody that I've talked to has been very happy to uh, to come to be a part of the show. I think there's still a person or two that I need to talk to about it. But um, yeah, I have enjoyed everybody's presence and everybody has brought something really, really great to the table. Um, you know, and, and look, it's, it's, it's whatever you're, it's whatever you got. It's, it's whatever you can do. And if you don't want to contribute monthly, totally understandable. You just want to do a one-time donation. That's totally fine. This is all, this all stuff is kind of being saved, uh, to go towards, uh, whenever they tour again. And hopefully, uh, that we can get some, you know, good meetups and things going when, uh, when they decide to tour again. Um, and not only that, but we'll, uh, if, if you decide that you want to become a monthly donor and a monthly subscriber, we'll send you a t-shirt and we'll also send you a bootleg of your choosing from any show that we've covered so far. So that's a pretty good deal, Matt, right? It is. Yes. Especially you get to talk to us. Yeah. We're we're decent folk. (laughs) Um, so good. That's out of the way. Uh, back to the Orpheum show. Um, it's just a lot of stuff going around this time period. Uh, I, I think we kind of failed to mention because we recorded the episode so early in the week that 
the fr- Friday when Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte episode was released was the the anniversary of both Kurt Cobain and Lane Sta- uh, Staley's death. Um, unfortunately, oh God, Seattle is cursed on April fifth because we lost we lost somebody else. We lost uh, Sean Smith of Brad, the lead singer of Brad, um, a couple couple of days ago on on April fifth. It's just it, it is. A sad, sad day for Seattle, um, and it's just, I don't like to call things curses, but it when you think about it, it's just like, it, it's spooky in a way. It kind of transcends coincidence into something a little bit more, yeah, spooky, sinister. Yeah, and when you think about it, 25 years, you know, this Kirk, Kurt the whole Kurt stuff is happening during the time where Pearl Jam is on tour and they're finishing up uh, their tour on the 1994 leg. Um, they're doing a lot of Boston shows at the time, which we'll get into in a sec. But uh, yeah, it's, that's really, it's, it's just kind of crazy to think about. And for everybody who is, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't start listening to Brad until I don't know, a couple months ago, uh, I listened to an interiors for the first time. I was very impressed by it. And, um, now I, I kind of feel bad that I didn't jump on that bandwagon and, uh, you know, got the possibility to, to go and see them and, and things like that. It's sometimes it's, it's too little too late, but, uh, you know, for everybody, that's a huge fan of stone Gossard's, um, side project, Brad, they're, they're great um you know sean sean smith um you know where our thoughts are are with his fans and his his family as well so just wanted to get that uh all right um so this show is important because it the set list was created by the band's crew which is a really cool you know thank you to a bunch of guys that that work pretty hard for them you know non-stop day in day out and what the crew decided to do was they they wanted them to kind of play some rare stuff and throw in some uh some stuff at the time in 1994 believe it or not there there are rare tracks believe it or not so a lot of what we're going to hear today is going to be stuff that you know you might say hey i've seen that a couple times you know from you know, back from 2003 until now, but, you know, back then, almost impossible to hear this stuff, and there aren't, I wouldn't say there are, are nomadic uh, followers, they're, the strangest tribe isn't in full effect at this point, I think people are just kind of going to local locations to go to shows, I, w- I would just assume, right? Yeah, no, I, I could agree to that, I mean, I'm sure there were, there were a few, but probably not as as near as much as there are today yeah you know i i think you sort of uh you have to grow from some point and uh and 94 95 is probably the turning point where fans you know became from fans into super fans i know we've kind of talked about that before but um you know this is this is a popular show because you don't get a lot of recordings, uh, you know, and good recordings of some of these songs that we're going to talk about, and early early recordings of some of these songs that we're going to talk about. So, um, 
I think it also comes with, you know, album releases too. Once you're one or two deep, you're going to start selling out uh, theaters and stadiums, stuff like that. But you probably start getting the diehard following that are traveling around with you once you hit like, you know, four or five, because you have a lot more content and then songs actually do start to become rare. And if they start pulling out one of those songs once a year or something, then people might say, ooh, maybe we should like follow these guys around, you know? Exactly. Right. It becomes a thing after that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Um, you know, it's like with fish and the dead and stuff like that. It's the same kind of premise. Yeah, uh, it's funny that you mentioned kind of, you know, more people going to shows. This was a, the Orpheum Theater is a rather small theater when uh, when you think about it. I uh, They did two shows at the Boston Garden beforehand, and I'm going to check up some information right now. I just wanted to make sure that they headlined, oh yeah, they definitely headlined those Boston Garden shows. So um, Boston Garden apparently hold, held... 20,000 people. I don't know if that's uh, exact, but in attendance for both shows were 12,000. So compare that with the Orpheum show that that place maximum capacity is 2,700. So that's if, if they filled up the Boston Garden, then this show at the Orpheum being a, an incredibly difficult ticket to get, you know, you, you're, you're going from you know, major stage over to club show, then, you know, it's kind of a, a hot commodity. I prefer the smaller venues, the Irving plazas and the, you know, those, those, those type things. Uh, no small stage or small venue, just small musicians. I don't know if that makes any sense. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of get what premise you're saying that, you know, uh, any musician can be on any stage and feel like you make, you, know, the, you make the stage larger than life when you're up there. Exactly. Play, that's play, why I, play every show. Like you're at the garden. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, or what I said makes no sense at all. Uh, we'll let, uh, we'll let everyone else decide. Yeah. I, I was just playing around with that. I was just trying to make <laughs> you feel better. It doesn't thank, make any fucking sense. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you know, you're going from a different it's just a different scene uh from the Boston Garden. It's a place where, you know, the Celtics and Bruins play, you know, it's an arena, it's arena rock. Uh time restraints are different and then you're going to the Orpheum Theater where if you look at the stage, there there are tons of videos out there. It's just like this blank uh you know, backdrop curtain that looks really bland and and there's not much on stage and you see heads in the crowd and everybody looks smushed together it's um and i think the band probably preferred this stuff uh and shows like this because they they were huge in that club scene uh from seattle uh kind of growing and and forming the band from into that so that's probably another reason why they hold uh the show in such high regard too so this was uh, late in the 94 tour, and um, while Vitalogy would get recorded kind of in between this and then kind of get polished up a little later, uh, this is the last tour that Dave A was a part of. So this is really out of the full shows, not including uh, an SNL appearance uh, that they made in between this and a... New York show, I believe, at the Paramount Theater. Um, 
this is Dave A's second to last show, I believe. Because the only, yeah. I was going to say, this is a fantastic Dave A show, too. Oh, it absolutely is. Stand, stand out are the drums on the show. There, it's he's incredible this night. Yeah, and I think a lot of it it goes to recording and how the drums just the recording on the drums just make it stand out so much more. Um, but it's just kind of uh, you know this is only the second or third time that we've really covered Dave A show, and then you can you know when whenever you cover Dave A, whenever you cover Jack, whenever you cover Matt, you kind of. You know, you see the differences, and and sometimes uh, you kind of grow fonder for what you know songs used to sound like in comparison to what Matt does now. And I think that's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about today. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of legendary shows during this '94 tour, and this is definitely one of them. But why don't we? Uh, Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Set the scene up. Like I said, that that bland curtain backdrop, and uh, there's like a sheet on top of I don't know if it's amplifiers or something like that, but there's a bunch of candles sitting right in between um, Mike and Ed's position, pretty much where Jeff is uh, for most of the night, even though he's bouncing around a lot. Um, yeah, I thought it looks like the where the candles might have been just. I couldn't tell from the angle. Were they on top of his amp, or were they maybe behind the amplifiers? They're sticking up kind of high. Yeah, they're they're pretty high. I thought I thought it was the amplifiers at first, but then it looked like that there was something draped over whatever they were on top of. Right, okay, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's really it's really tough to tell though. Uh, so I don't know if um, you know if, if anybody remembers or can see it uh, more clearly than us, then just let us know. But um, yeah, I'm. I'm honestly not too sure. I don't want to. I don't want to say either way. But it, it's, it, it's cool in a way because it's just kind of. It's kind of dank, you know. It's kind of, just. It's a. It's a dive. It's early Pearl Jam. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, not much, not much more to say than that. But it, it, it's you know, that that's part of their history that. We're never gonna get back. They uh, so, they hadn't splurged on the uh, the Amish fireplace or whatever the hell it was that they used to have. <laughs> was, those are in the Jack the, days. It's it's on the way. Yeah. They, they haven't quite got up to Amish fireplace money yet, but they're, no, they're on their way. Not there, but um, <laughs> you know they they slowly slowly get to the point where it's like okay, a couple of candles. All right, then a fireplace. Okay, then a couple lights on top. Maybe a video screen. And then we get to the bulbs, the giant bulbs over over the band that come and swing during during porch. It's it 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 was a slow progression, but but they got there. Yeah, just had to sell a couple more albums, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how are we starting this, Matt? Uh, oh, just my absolute all-time favorite way. <laughs> um. Just from a perspective of just how the song sounded, did you, and this is start uh, opening up with Oceans here, uh, Matt's absolute favorite song. Uh, do you think it, it sounded good? Because I thought it sounded terrific. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like I said a lot uh, in the last couple episodes, I'll always give credit when a song sounds good, even if I don't like it, except for Oceans. It could be the most... Uh, incredible performance of all time but uh this song will always be grating to me so i really 
I can't even give you an answer on that because no, I don't. I don't think it sounded good. Uh, I I just don't think it'll ever sound good to my ears. So so it's kind of we can't rely on you for a historical perspective of this. No. Okay, then I'll 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 share the one or two thoughts that I had. I, I thought it was a terrific way to open up the show and get promotions into even flow and and you know the the differences between the two songs mesh so, so well together in, in the front here. Uh, but that when that drum beat comes in during that first uh, chorus part, um, it's got a, it's very goosebumpy vibe to it. Uh, you know that you're starting a show and. And it, it's different than how you would hear it today, of course, but um, it's still same with release. I, I think it's on, on par with kind of how release starts a show where it's it's very it's almost ominous in a way and it's almost, you know, relaxing in a way as well. So this is a really good version. Uh, I'm, I'm sparing Matt from having to edit it in uh, because we have a lot that we got a cover today that we want to play. So, uh, you know, I think we heard oceans like a week or two ago. So we'll, we'll spare from the, that this week. Uh, much, much appreciated. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I like to do good things to people, but, um, yeah, that's, I think that's all I got to say about ocean. So I think we can move on to even flow. Um, I mean, if it's not for just Ed screaming in the beginning here, you know, we have to play just the beginning to hear the scream because I feel like it's such a legendary moment, you know, like to, to just hear that because you, you don't get that in 2019 Pearl Jam shows and yeah. you know, from any any 2000s Pearl Jam shows. It, it was a pretty good scream. I, I said to myself, oh, it sounds like he's happy to be done with Oceans. Oh, you you would like to think that, huh? Yeah, no, I I, I think that, that scream was, let's get the fuck into this show. Yeah, out of out of Oceans. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, we got to play that, that little part for sure. All right, let's do it. there it's 94 he's uh he is not matured into the human being that he is that we know him to be today uh, i hate to keep saying that because 25 years ago nobody is who they are from 25 years ago you know that it's just unless you're well no that's that's not true i was gonna say unless you're 100 years old then you know <laughs> but that's not true because you're 
you're less mobile at, at 100 than you are at 75. So, uh, yeah, um, he's very angsty, but it's not outlandish. He's just kind of having fun, and the crowd is chanting along, and really, even flow is very much in its its groove as the number two song, and the crowd the crowd's really roaring at this. And it's not 10 minutes. It's straightforward, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's album-paced. Which I'm starting to find that I... I I think prefer might be the wrong word, but I, I definitely enjoy. I mean, I, I love hearing Mike rip a, a great solo because he's so good at it. And even Flow is a a great song to do that in, especially when it's mid-set. It's the appropriate time to to have a solo, especially, you know, when, when Mike is running around the stage and you've already got half the set that's that's gone past. But when it's in the number two spot here and it's more of the album version, and especially when it's earlier and and it's as tight as it was here so it's so enjoyable to listen to because of those reasons you know it's quick and it's rocking and it's early in the set you don't need it to be 10 minutes long and so i i yeah i mean i really like it i really like them like this yeah no it's i think maybe the difference uh you know, early earlier it was always in the two hole and then they get later and it's always right in the middle and uh Good to change it up a little bit, I would say. Nowadays, you're not going to see that, but um, maybe it's just because it's this version. They're not going to play it like this anymore. So this version works as the second song in, but would this version work as the ninth song today? That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. And we'll, I don't think we'll ever find out because uh, I, I was going to say you'd have to you'd have to hear it. <laughs> they're sort of setting their ways on that one. All right. So uh, Ed introduces the next song. Says let's invo- involve somebody from Mud Honey on this one. It's Mark Arm. He joins him for Sonic Reducer. Uh, I believe that Mark Arm has probably joined them for Sonic Reducer about sixty times, if I'm not not mistaken. It seems to always happen. So. Uh, but Sonic Reducer is number three. Whew. Damn. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see this in this spot again. Uh, no. This, this is what happens when you let the crew pick the set list. It's, it's pretty, exactly. it, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark Arm is, is back and forth on this one with Ed and Ed is kind of, and really cranking it out in the final verse with total disregard of the future of his vocal cords. And um, really, this is such a an awesome version of this. And so early in the set, I could just see the crowd. You kind of, you see some heads bobbing when you're watching a video. Uh, and already, you know, things are starting to move. And, and it's getting into a really heavy, heavy part of the set here. Yeah, right off the bat, for sure. I, I really had yeah. no notes on this one. It's, yeah. It's Sonic Reducer. Exactly. Uh, Ed asks the crowd, how, how does this feel? And the crowd responds positively. Uh, says, says, we're going to play things that we haven't played for a long time and play things that you haven't heard. So enjoy this. It might be the last one, you know? I don't really know what he means by that, but uh, uh, I think he's trying to say some of these songs may never come back again, which um, is kind of true. For some of them, they came back. Every every song here has been played again, but almost, almost not. 
a lot of these had been lost for a long time. So we'll get to we'll get to those when we get to those. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, here's something that is not very rare, but um, it's rare to hear sounding like this. Uh, this is just this is 1994. How many times do we have to say it? I hate saying it like that, but um, it's so much different than what we know of it today. Uh, Play State 11 Trust and just just really enjoy this one because it's just awesome. to other versions of the song you know it's hard to but uh this just sounds like it just destroys the world yeah it's it's not it's not really different or you know i I guess it all comes from i think it's it's, faster it's it's a little faster I, i guess it comes from personal opinion you know maybe some people do like it when they play it more recently right it's i i don't know if i agree if it was faster it's the it's so much more energetic it, like there's so, raw oh there's so much behind it and yeah but it's but it's not raw to where it's sloppy it's still no tight. no no it's I, I think it's just kind of the the club vibe yeah to it. i thought i was going to be able to easily explain how i felt about this one but the words are escaping me now because yeah there's something I, I thought... there's almost uh, there's something almost indescribable about it yet it's not it's not like it's that different but there is something better about it. it it's got an it's got an edge to it i feel like maybe now it's clean it just feels you know it feels like they can play it in their sleep but then it's sure just like you know we have to crank this one out we have to they're they're putting in in all the effort to make it sound mm-hmm. really really good yep. uh, drums sounded great on this one yeah i i, I kind of want as fast and gritty as this is and raw I would love to hear the song like this every single time I hear I hear it, but um, you know, uh, this is this is just a powerful, awesome version of this. And Ed again screaming that Wah! in the beginning, just incredible stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
a string of songs that we're just going to keep playing and playing and playing here. Uh, you know, we don't want to do a lot of talking throughout a lot of this. We'll just do a lot of listening because that's what's more important. Um, Hard to Imagine comes up next, and here's where we get into the rare ones that Ed was talking about. Um, all throughout 1992, they would play Hard to Imagine kind of as a teaser with some different lyrics from now and again, and it really wasn't until uh, 1993 in San Francisco where they played it in full uh, with recognizable lyrics for the first time. Uh, on occasion, this would be the fourth full time... Oh, Sorry. This occasion would be the fourth full time the band would ever play it, and it would wound up being the last until August of 1998. So this is how rare Hard to Imagine was at the time, and it's a lot more chilled out version of the song than the song that we know today. So let's play. Let's play a good amount of it. Let's get into it and uh, just enjoy. Shades of green, light your pillow, lay back, watch the flames. I to tell a story, but no one would listen that long. It's hard to imagine, it's hard to imagine.
yeah, this is a way more chilled out version than the song that we know off the recording of Lost Dogs or even if you hear it live today, which is 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 fairly rare to hear it live today. Uh, it starts to really take stride around the second course or so, and Dave is absolutely destroying it. Stone and Mike are playing off of each other beautifully, and once they get into that jam section of it, uh, everything feels really loose, uh, and they let loose, and you kind of get lost into it. That's that's really what I love about it the most. Yeah, the jam section was great. This, this version was interesting as well, because we were talking about... Um what we were talking about with the with the just the last song with the um a little bit of edge it, it is it is like a uh, for a while a bit of a chilled out version but there's still like a a 90s edge there it's just like a it's like a way of playing in like the genre that stands out in a few of these songs here yeah that's that's interesting you say that it's just kind of you know it, it, it's it's more of a sign of the times than uh you know a sign of the song and and i think it's sort of maturing of the band and the band um you know becoming better musicians and and finding you know better pace and better ways of of performing certain songs uh uh or just differently or just differently and you can love this version and love uh a 2013 version all the same way for for its differences but uh yeah this is definitely it feels like it's right out of the 90s instead of you know a song i think when we talked about all that binaural stuff where we said like this song belongs in this binaural era yeah like this version of hard to imagine belongs in 1994 it's not necessarily the song yeah the song the song translates pretty well it holds up for sure but this version is is just set in this time yeah yeah uh i think that's exactly what i was trying to get to i i didn't write down i was i'm feeling it yeah 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 i i agree um after we get from hard to imagine we get into immortality uh this is another this this was one of the highest voted songs in the uh tournament that we did a couple weeks ago uh and this is the second time that they would ever play immortality and everybody kind of looks to it and um because it's a lot different it's they were you know they wrote it a couple days beforehand it was kind of written in between you know the boston garden show from the night before this uh was the first time they played it and kurt cobain's death being on uh he died on the fifth but i believe they kind of found out on the eighth if that if i'm not mistaken is that uh does that sound right uh that i don't remember okay i feel like it was a couple days later before they actually found his body uh but um i mean it was written in a very short span of time uh you know the band will say it's not about kurt if you read you know, whatever you read, but it, right. it's kind of, it has this vibe where you kind of have to think it has something to do with it. It's, uh, the lyrics are, you know, kind of fitting through the mood and, and how everybody was feeling in the music industry at the time and what maybe Kirk could have been feeling at the time. Um, yeah, it, it might not be specifically about them, but you know, it could have been, it could have been a, a pretty interesting coincidence where they have he's got these lyrics and we're like oh you know 
I've had these lyrics, I, but maybe it's maybe this is an appropriate time because it, it sort of fits the time. Not that it was written for the time, but it definitely right. is fitting. Uh, I think it's I think it's a song that's definitely open for interpretation, which is uh, uh, sometimes can be a really fun thing. Right. And I think if you go back to our second episode we ever did, uh, it was the second night of Fenway where they went back to the original original lyrics, right. uh, which everybody kind of remembers from this show. This is uh, this show and the night before were the only times that they ever performed this song with these lyrics. So um, we're going to play it for you right now. Uh, it's a legendary version and uh, we'll let you just enjoy it. wasn't exactly word for word the same version of uh the fenway version but it had the same kind of idea the i can paint the moon with the light reflected in my room um obviously the song for vitalogy would have a completely different uh uh lyrical style from it uh completely different lyrics um but this this was probably the last time that they played it like this. Uh, cause I think that after the store was obviously the recording for Vitalogy. So, um, it's actually during this tour they were recording. Yeah. But I'm, I, I'm saying like finishing up because obviously, yeah, cause the, have... yeah, the, yeah, the recording had started in late 93 and then I guess they had to, you know, do it at their, at their pace and when they had availability. Right, right, exactly. Which is yeah, interesting because it, another song comes up in the set where you think 
you know, when you're recording an album, this song should be written. It's going on the album, but it still sounds so different. Uh, right. And it's like, well, when, when did you rewrite this or rework it? Shouldn't it have already been done? But we'll, we'll get to that as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just, this song sounds incredible on the vinyl track uh, with, at the end with Dave just absolutely going bonkers here. Uh, I, I really, I kind of wish that, we would be able to play the entire show and not talk at all. Uh, that would that would be kind of nice, um, but not really taking that's taking the premise away from kind of what we do. <laughs> but uh, uh, again, Ed uh, tagging this with "Hey Hey My My" is 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 pretty fitting, and uh, it's just it sounds so tight for it being the second time that they played it live as a full band, which I, is, feels just uh, amazing to me that they can pull that off. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to start off by saying I, I think calling this a legendary performance is a, a, a big-time uh, stretch. I, I don't know. It, it didn't really... I, I wasn't overly impressed by it, by, you know, over other versions that we've heard. Uh, I hated the tag. I, I thought it sounded terrible. It's it's different enough uh, to where it's interesting for sure, and it's cool that it's it's being played as they write it, which is always a nice little tidbit and always fun to have for facts and and stats and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's gotten way better. This this is not this is not up there for me. I think the reason why it is legendary is just because it's not it's a rare version. It's something that you're, you're never going to get again. Yeah, uh, I understand that, but it's, it's, it's not the best version. So I, I can't really jump on board with, you know, cause then you, then you could get into a, a thing where you say, you know, every first or second time they play a song, if they're working it out, you say, Oh, but they changed it. So that part is legendary, but it's like, well, it, but it might've sucked, you know? So I don't want to get sucked into, into thinking that way. I got to say, no, this this one has not only gotten better, but it's gotten to be one of my favorite songs. And this isn't this isn't one of my favorite uh, versions of it. Well, I, I look, I, I agree. It's gotten better, and it it is it's one of my favorite songs too. But uh, you know, looking at it at the time and looking at you know, they only had what a couple of days to uh, to write this song, um, and just the subject matter that they're writing about. It's it's more it's less of how they're playing it and yes what it becomes later is much more important than what it is at this point but that but from where it is at this point is what makes it legendary it's you know um i'm trying to come up with a really good sports reference to (laughs) to back that up but i guess it's like saying uh you know michael jordan had this like incredible moment early in his career uh but you know, maybe it's not the most important. It, it didn't win cha- a championship. Oh, you know what? Maybe the 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 game where he hit the uh, the game winner against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in the playoffs that didn't win him a championship. That got I think that got him uh, that got them to the finals or that got him to the conference finals or something. I I I don't remember, but it's probably not the most important game, but people remember it because it's kind of like this landmark moment um, that you can say was kind of the build to how good it became, how good, you know, his career became. So, well, uh, it, it, but what you're saying sounds like it's, 
that's what leads to legendary moments. How I see it is. No, it's, no, it's, I, I think it's, it's the close. legendary moment that kicks off how yeah the, the love uh, affair. For for me, it's it's I can't call it legendary. For me, I say it's it's close, but not quite there yet. Disagree, disagree. I think I think it's I because of the difference, because of the rarity of it, um, because of this being passed around as a bootleg. It's one of those things where you know, say we're fans of the band in 1996 or 95, and you know. We all we do, we we've been to one or two shows and, uh, you know, we have 10 versus Vitalogy and then we have this friend that comes by and he's like, hey, I have this uh, this live bootleg. Do you do you want to borrow it? Um, you know, it has this version of immortality that, you know, doesn't sound anything like how they play immortality now that it just sticks out in your mind and you're always going to remember it. <laughs> If you like that version, like I, I don't really, I like where it went, not what it is here. So if I were to get that bootleg and I heard this rare version of Immortality, I might have said to myself, this is fine, but it's not what I, what I want it to be. So I, I can't say legendary. I can't. And like you, you know, you could, by the way you're saying is, is about rarity and about, you know, you could call tonight's performance of Dirty Frank a legendary, but Dirty Frank, let, let's call it what it is. The song sucks. It's not legendary. You know what I mean? Like it's this to me is getting there. It's on its way, and it's de <sighs> it's definitely impressive that they're forming it and they're getting it ready and they're and they're performing it. But uh, I I I, I just can't call it legendary. I can't, I can't do it. I I think you just have to look at it, and I know it's it's so difficult for. You know, that maybe we didn't live this era like some other people have. And, you know, it's kind of just has to be passed down generational. I, I I can understand how important it is. And, you know, just not just because of lyrical changes, just because of everything that sort of surrounds it. But um, maybe maybe you would think differently if you were trading tapes in the nineties. I, I, I just, you know, I, I just think it might be a different mindset. That's all I'm trying to say. I, you know, cause it doesn't, I think things, you know, kind of like how I talked about, you know, how the live at the garden DVD was really special to me and how that's, you know, no matter how it sounded, it was always going to be, have a special place in my heart. Maybe that's how a lot of people see it because when you're young and you're in your youth, things kind of, uh, uh, they, they, st they stick with you and, and you have fonder memories of things because I don't know, uh, you know, you grow up and, and you know, things aren't as it seems and, and, you know, you get older and, and taxes are a thing and, and work is a thing and, and life isn't exactly fun anymore. Um, maybe this is just a memory back to where times were fun for people. I don't know. I'm, you went, I, I, you went really deep there. <laughs> I did. I, well, I'm, you got well, into I'm taxes. trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to prove this point here. I, I think it's a really important point to prove, but you're not going to change my mind. I, apparently not, I, but I, 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 you know, whether it's opinion or not, I, I figured that this was a fact. I, I, I thought it was sort of universally agreed upon that this was 
if not the the be- best version of the song, I'm not going to say it's the best version of the song. I'm going to say it's the most important version of the song. Yeah, I, I yeah, we, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. I yeah, I, I I can't I can't spend the rest of the show trying to change your mind. So I, it's I don't. All right, move moving on. Uh, this little uh, tandem right here is the way they they begin verses. Go an animal in the middle of the set. Uh, it's a great way to get things moving again. Singing from the crowd. Uh, it's really just head rocking mode and uh go go was good going into i just i want to put these two together because they just kind of flow obviously really well but uh the energy is really high crowd tearing it apart for both of these songs and and you kind of after immortality and hard to imagine and kind of the rare stuff you need to you know punch punch the crowd back in the face again this is what it does yeah both of them were good i I never thought I'd say this. I actually, I actually preferred Animal over Go here. I thought Animal sounded. I mean, you know me. I, I, I love how Jack Irons plays Go. That's like the, that is the the Go of Goes is is when Jack Irons is on the drums. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought Animal kicked ass here, and it it overshadowed Go a little bit for me. Weird. Yeah, I didn't think you would say that. I know, um, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe Go is just a little raw for you on this it, it was it, just, it was uh could have been i'm not gonna say it was sloppy because i don't think it was sloppy, it wasn't I sloppy it was and you, just... you, you know you know i hate i hate it when we go into angsty i i hate talking about angst you know because uh, it's used as an excuse all the time oh, i really hated how that song sounded oh but there's a lot of angst there it's like well I, that means nothing to me so it, it wasn't either of those it was still good i just really liked animal fair uh, I, I think, you know what? I don't know. I, I, have we covered go too much? Do we need like a break from go or something? I think I, sometimes the, I, and that's there something are I never thought I'd say either. I, just, I never thought I'd get sick of go, but I just wasn't. I was like, I was like, all right. Yeah. It's not that you're sick of it. I, sick of it. It's just, it. it's becoming sort of what else, what else can you do with it? If, if it's not like an ultra special version of it, then what other words do you have to say about it? Um, yeah, I guess I kind of feel that way with animal right now where we've covered a lot of animal and you don't hear versions of the song that sound very different. So, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess when they're, when they're paired together after so long, you're going to be like, your brain is going to be forced to, to pick, to pick one out of the two. When you listen to it I back suppose. to back, I don't know. I suppose. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, but yeah, look, you know, we cover, we cover every single song in their catalog essentially. And at some point it's going to wear us down. I, you know, we've even done a hundred of rear view mirrors. We, we do rear view mirror every single show. And I'm sort of like, I I'm sort of, I don't want to say I'm tired of it, but it's just like, I'm saying the same things over and over again. I'm sort of repeating myself and it's just not, not necessarily that much fun to talk about that song anymore. You know what I'm saying? When it's, you're when, when you're like variety. when you're halfway through like a nine minute version of it, it could it could start to wear on you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and look that that's that's probably not the case with with anybody tuning in. Uh, you know that listens to the show and kind of listens to the little tidbits that, that we do and the clips that we, we throw in, but we're listening to 
we're we're He's listening to bootlegs 31 weeks nonstop for 31 weeks yeah yeah it's it's i mean you know i i'm glad that that we're able to do this but that's it, it's a it gets to be a tough job after a while to <laughs> sort of you know compare differences and and try to make new conversation but um anyway uh let's move forward uh glorified g comes after animal and uh, do you call Glorified G? Is this one of your take it or leave it songs? No, no, I love Glorified G. It's not okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought this was this is good. It's just keeping up a really good pace. Uh, uh, and they're also doing at the end. Um, uh, they're not doing the I can I can steal your throat from your neck. It's the uh, uh, here we go. I I don't know why. They decided to do this version. I've, I've never, never understood why they would do that sometimes, but there's, I guess that's just kind of what happened. Yeah, I guess so. This was, but, yeah, this, I thought this was, uh, it sounded, sounded fun and poppy and kind of exactly how you want glorified G to sound. It's, it's got, it's got cool lyrics and it's, but it's weird, you know, it could, it could be really poppy. And when, when they really hit this happy stride on it where they're skipping around and, you know, it, it gets, uh, it, uh, poppy, I guess is the best word I could say. And it's, it's, it's fun. And especially in the nineties where everyone is angsty and then they pop out, you know, glorify G and it's, it's snap your fingers. You know, it's, it's a nice little break there. I feel like they had two directions to go at this point <laughs> yeah. in the set. It was either do glorified G or do dissident. And I just, I feel like glorified G was a much better choice than dissident would be. Cause I feel, I feel like distance getting played every single night at this point. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that either, but uh, no, but, I, I, but it's, I, it's nice I, having glorified G pop up. Yeah, I would I would think that people at the time might be getting a little sick of dissident because it's a single. It's it's all over the place. It can be one of those songs where if you hear it a lot, you can be like, "All right, enough enough of it. Let's move forward from it." But um, entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's sort of I I see dissident at this time around that spot. That's why. I mean, it, it would absolutely kind of fit for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, Glorify G over that, and uh, Glorify G actually made the cut with with the vinyl. So um, most of what they put on the vinyl is it's all it's like four songs together. They do the first four, and then they leave off Hard to Imagine. Then they do Immortality, Go Animal, uh, Glorify G. I think if I have if I have that all right, that sounds right, right? Uh. It is Ocean's Even Flow Sonic Reducer Immortality Glorified G Daughter. Oh, okay. So they leave off Animal and Go. Yeah. So Glorified G. So the second side is Glorified G Daughter Alone. Uh, what's after Alone? Not for you. Uh, Glor- yeah, not for you. Glorified G Daughter Not for You Rats. Oh, they don't do. I thought I had Alone on on my version. They are sons of bitches. Wow. Okay. So it's not. It's how, not in order. How dare they? Yeah, <laughs> I could have swore alone was on was on it, but all right. Uh, moving on. Uh, after glorified G was daughter. It's uh, another really tight one. Energy feeding off the crowd, um, and a little uh, 
the tag here is a mud honey song called suck you dry uh with ed just kind of reciting the words no time like the present to get ripped apart uh got this burning desire aiming straight from my heart uh and he keeps just kind of chanting suck you dry uh and belting at top of his lungs it sounds pretty good yeah daughter has like like we said it's been 31 weeks. Daughter has has made its way in, into into now a favorite of mine. You hear great versions, so I I don't mind it seeing popping up now. Where in the past, you know, you go to a show and daughter gets played, and you're like, oh, okay, it's daughter. And when it pops up now, I get excited. I want to say, oh, okay, cool. We yeah, have heard some great versions of this, so let's hear what this one sounds like. And it's it's good. But you know, if if you've listened to episodes recently, if you're catching up, if you're you know, if you just found out about the show and you wanted to catch up on earlier episodes and, and I don't know, maybe like episode 15 or so, I'm like, I'm so sick of daughter. I'm done with it. <laughs> it was mostly because we were doing a lot of current shows and they haven't really changed up daughter as much in, you know, the modern era, but daughter, once you get into different versions of it, I really dig it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way. I, I, I've enjoyed this song more that we cover it and I'm sort of over my, you know, I, I hate it phase. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to go back into the hate it phase. I'm, I'm taking it a day at a time. That's, that's all you got to do. Just, just don't even think about it. Just don't even think about it. When, it, when, when you get the feeling, when you know that the feeling is there, then, then you may, may share with the rest of the class. Um, <laughs> Uh, all right, we go, we said alone wasn't on the vinyl. I thought it was on the vinyl, uh, whether it is or it's not, it's going to be on the show. So it was a rare song for the time. Uh, and obviously a request from the crew, uh, before we play it, I want to reflect on how rare it was. Uh, this is the 26th time that it was played after 47 overall. So 21 times in 25 years they've played this song that's uh that's not a lot that's why every time before they play it ed will say uh uh this one is for the collectors which is total bullshit because this this should have been an album song this should be played all the time uh they would go on to play it again in new york city to close out this tour they wouldn't bring it back until 2004 in boston of all places uh, and that, that was 322 shows that this was in hiding for. This is a really great version. And, uh, the one thing I don't like about this version is that they don't do that little reprise at the end where they kind of sing the verse over again. But, uh, besides that, there's nothing wrong with it at all. And, uh, let's take a listen to it now. Never woke up alone ever before 
awesome. Uh, I, you know, I'm very slim on notes, and that's why I gave a lot of stats during this one because I just, uh, it, you know, again, raw sound can be used for a lot of these songs played in this era, um, but maybe that's why they decided to, you know, kind of spread it out a little bit these days. Yeah, I mean, it it could be fun for them to say, okay, we've played that, let's let's make it rare or let's keep it rare and we got to we're going to promise never to play it for over 10 years you know i think i would do that to mess with people and to yeah <laughs> I, I think it was it was probably less of that and more of like just drummer changes and like okay let's jack I, has I don't, learned all these songs yeah yeah what's he not he doesn't great. have to learn alone which is a b-side yeah uh, and then when Matt comes in, you know, Matt has to learn even more songs than Jack learned. Uh, and then, you know, in the middle of it, writing his own songs, uh, with the band. And it really wasn't until, until like six years after Matt joined that they said, okay, let's throw this back in. And a lot of, it's just happened to some songs. It happened to rats. It happened to why go. It happened to glorified G, which we talked about before. It's, it's, it's just happened. Yep just got to find the time to learn the songs that you didn't get to when you first joined the band. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously Matt has been in the band long enough where I think he's pretty much played everything they've ever written except for just, just a girl. I would think. Yeah. But you know, I guess, you know, or even fuck me in the brain, even, even Cameron needed some time to chip away at the, at the catalog. So I, I understand. Absolutely. Uh, all right. After this, Ed says, "You oh, wouldn't I, I, see somebody." I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm 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 saying that like like Eddie, Jeff, Mike, and Stone don't fuck up some of these songs sometimes because they do. They're it's not just the drummers. It, it's uh... no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, I mean, of course, they don't bring it back for a bunch of years. We heard when you know that's one of the things that we talked about uh, when we covered Breath and Breath and Immortality, sort of in that same boat of like legendary performance it's not legendary maybe not as legendary for the performance but it's legendary for you know the story behind it uh but that performance of breath in madison square garden was not like this amazing you know arena rock song it was just that they hadn't played in four or five years yeah and and it and that's that's why and it wasn't it's ring rust it did not and it didn't sound great no, they had so, they had to wait a, they had to wait a year and and then they or no sorry uh four years and then they then they nailed it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what I'm trying to say is that it, it's it's tough for the whole entire band to bring something back that they don't necessarily play on a very consistent basis and you know obviously you know we go back to the most recent shows they played uh, back to the Fenway shows and they did Out of My Mind which is a very rare song uh you know matt had only played it one other time before but the band themselves they've only played it three times so everybody's gonna be like what the fuck is going on here and it was kind of a jam to begin with anyway so you know there was no it wasn't like they went into the studio and recorded it so i Mm -hmm. i think that's a bit of a tangent uh but i I think it, it fits in yeah, I think we get your point that it's it's very difficult to play a song that you don't play. Uh, 
on a consistent basis very well. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. This is this is fun. This is like I got I got a story about this one, so we'll just we'll just go with it. Uh, it says you wouldn't see someone sitting down in the second row in a pit, uh, and I think he's probably referring to. You know, the night before in the garden when where there's seats in the Boston Garden, I should say, and maybe somebody was sitting down. Uh, so he's he's pretty happy with with crowd participation here. And then you hear him start singing, uh, "What's Seattle acid party? What's Seattle acid party?" And um, until recently, I had no idea what he was even saying. And it wasn't until a recent episode of Single Podcast Theory that I even put two and two together and knew what it meant. So, yeah, uh, I think their episode was when they were doing self-pollution radio. Um, uh, so the West Seattle Acid Party is a song by the band Zeke. And, uh, you know, who he says uh, right after, he says to the crowd, has anybody heard of the band called Zeke? Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I've heard that, that version of this little speech about hundreds of times. And I'm like, what is Eddie saying? I have no idea what he's doing. So it's just like this random uh, punk song. I think Zeke is a Seattle band. Uh, I don't really know much about it, but I kind of, when hearing it on, on SPT, I kind of put two and two together and it was kind of this, you know, uh, Eureka moment. I, I had figured it out after all these years, what the hell was Eddie saying at that point? Uh, so that just kind of fun. Um, yeah. So Z- so he asks the crowd if they've ever heard of a band called Zeke, and there's kind of a mild reaction. And then he asks the, the crowd uh, if they've ever heard of a band called The Frogs, and that gets a bigger reaction. And I wonder if it's just that, you know, when you hear the name The Frogs, you're like, oh, I've probably heard of them before because, you know, you've heard the word frogs before. That happens all the time. I wonder if the crowd was kind of bullshitting and they didn't really know who the frogs were yeah yeah it's like if someone came up to you and was like hey have you ever heard of the cans you're like probably even though you never heard of if that's even a thing uh but it's it's just a word that you say each day or you hear once a week or you know you're like Right. I've, I, uh, I had to have heard of them. Well, it's so familiar. The boxes. The, it's like, of course uh, it's familiar because it's a fro- it's frog, you know? Yeah, the the boxes, the, the, the shelves. I'm literally looking around my my room for for things that the uh, the hangers. I don't know. That would be a wonderfully amazing social experiment. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of the same. Ooh, I just got a package. Uh, that's kind of the same stuff that, like, Kimmel and Fallon will do, like, you know, <laughs> man on the street kind of stuff where they say, Oh, do you, do you know, uh, this player, you know, a player for a team. And they're like, Oh man, he's my favorite player. And, and it's that guy is the guy that's interviewing and asking them a question and mm-hmm. they have no idea who he is. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's exactly like that. Um, so, uh, it says after that, that you guys have taste, uh, never would have known that meeting you at a Pearl jam show. And says this song is about people who don't have taste but like us anyway. Um, so I guess a little background on why this whole speed, you know, you know Zeke and Frogs thing and West Seattle Acid Party uh, sticks out in my mind is that um, 
I had a friend who shared a bootleg with me one time and claimed it was from a show from Italy. And I was like, all right, cool, awesome. So, you know, it was, wasn't was at the time where I was listening to a lot of bootlegs. Uh, so, you know, early stuff, and it sounded like Angsty Ed, and it's Angsty Band, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm into it, and it's really good, but I don't know these historical moments. So one of one of the the parts on on this album uh going into this version of not for you was this you know have you ever heard of a band called zeke have you ever heard of a band called the frog so i just figured oh that's probably from that italy show that he gave me a bullet for because that's all i knew and then once listening to that vinyl for the first time i was like oh okay he gave me a mix of real random stuff because there was another moment that was on that same mix. It was the shoe, the shoeless rant. And that was in Indio, California. Yeah. Not Italy. So I feel like I've been lied to the whole time. It wasn't. <laughs> well, a, what, was it a good mix? Did it make it, did it make a good set list? Yeah, I feel like that's, it did. That's all that matters um, then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it had all, it was nothing but just first three album stuff. And it, sounded great and it was really the first time that i i had heard a lot of uh you know live stuff from from that era so you know maybe it's a it's a lot of the precursor to what we're doing now but uh yeah uh if i had known then what i know now you know who the hell knows what would have happened <laughs> and what i would have thought but just a little funny story because it's kind of always stick, stuck out in my mind. All right, Not For You comes next. It's a pre-Vitalogy version, and sounds great. All the pre-Vitalogy songs in the show, uh, it seems like Not For You has kind of been played the most. Uh, this is the 17th performance of the song at the time, uh, and I don't really have any big notes. It just sounds good and like an early version of the song should. I have no notes. You're taking or leaving on it. But. Uh, I have no notes either. It's uh, it's kind of the same as we've been hearing. This song is way too fucking long, and uh, it loses me half halfway through every single time. Song needs to be about a minute and a half shorter. <laughs> I I don't know if I agree with you or not on that. Like you make a really compelling case, but I for the sake of I like the song, I don't want to agree with you. But your case is not you. Ha, you put up a good fight with it, but it's. It, it, I don't. I don't agree with it at all. <laughs> I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's. It's quite repetitive for for the length. I'll. I'll put it that way. I. I. I suppose if somebody doesn't like, you know. If somebody doesn't like it like that, then who who am I to say uh, that it should be different? But what I like, I like it for how it is. I, I, like, I think you it, like things. You're very specific. Yeah, and, and th- stubborn on things. I th- I think if it hadn't been popping up like every single show that we've done in the past <laughs> two months, it really then, uh, has. Yeah, it's been around yeah. a lot. It's been around a lot. Last this week's was one. was it last week's? It was uh, really good, but it was a great performance. This performance was. How it normally is. There was, you know, nothing, uh, nothing incredibly stand out. It was very tight, but 
it it was yeah it was just a pretty straightforward version and unless it's blowing me away performance wise then it's uh, it's tough for me to stick with um yeah uh, i i think what we uh what sometimes what happens is we have i i kind of think of these shows and I'm like, all right, I, I really want to do these. And then we have guests that come on and they want to do certain shows. So I sort of, uh, you know, do no guest and guest, no guest and guest, no guest and guest. But I'm not, uh, I'm not comparing and contrasting set lists. So, you know, we might get next week's show and we might get a lot of these same songs again. We're going to be like, the fuck? You know what I mean? exactly yes yeah so we might get not for you again next week i have no idea i i have not looked into what the set list is next week because we're supposed to have a guest on but yeah uh you know i know that there's some stuff that we haven't covered before but we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit uh all right better man is up next uh this is not a version of better man that you hear every day but it is is the first time that they had played it since the Atlanta show that we covered. Uh, um, that was the Atlanta show was on the third. That was the the one that got broadcast through all the radio stations. Um, that was on the third of April. This being on the twelfth, and I feel like in between time they. You do you remember that performance that we we covered? Of course. Do you feel like they changed changed a lot? I feel like they changed up the tempo a little bit. They they tightened the screws a little bit, but they weren't quite there. Of course, there's obvious differences between what it ended up being, which only came up, you know, uh, it it could have been recorded weeks after this. It probably wasn't long because it, it made it onto the album and obviously they're playing it within the time that they started recording the album and, and, and they changed it. But yeah, this one was a lot tighter. I thought. Right. Yeah. It, it the, I mean, they, the like, drums, especially like the, the, this, this sounds like they said, this is how it's going to be on the album because it's, it's, it's that tight. Of course, it sounds really strange to listen to as, as, uh, as you'd expect, because we've heard it, you know, the real way for, for so long. But they were confident in this version. They were like, yep, this is it. This is how we're doing it. Because uh, that's how tight it sounds. This version also doesn't have that like transitional 80s, 90s like reverbish sound. I, f- I feel like that other version had that. At least that's what the ba- bad radio version kind of sounded like. It was like that. Right. Like kind of that. that I, I don't want to call it the Seattle sound, but a lot of Seattle sound sounds like that so yeah. it, you know uh but yeah this was a lot a lot tighter i feel like the drums were the percussion in this was a lot tighter it wasn't like it was just kind of a little bit in those verses and then when they got to the end it didn't feel like they it felt like there was more of a build up instead of the last version where it was just kind of the bit, it, there was no buildup because it was the same pace. It was the same energy. So yeah. I, I think you know the growth of of this song is is kind of fascinating to 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 see. But you know, um, you know that this almost didn't make Vitalogy. Oh yeah, of course. Because of Ed, Ed said he didn't want it on the album. But uh, I think Brennan O'Brien convinced him otherwise. Because this was the fucking song that made the album. He had it for a while. It just. 
I don't, I don't know. Maybe he. I think it was. I, I think what was probably going through his head was he thought it was too personal. Too, I, th- yeah. I think that was, or just what not, it was. you know, not the right time. Maybe, maybe it didn't fit. I mean, does it fit? If I yeah. is a, it's strange, man. It's a str- strange album, but it certainly wouldn't have fit on ten or verses either. So no. No, and you know what? In its its own little way, it does kind of fit on Vitalogy. I think the I think the location of it helps. Yeah, that that there's some weird stuff going on before it, and uh-huh. it's kind of deep, deep within the album. It would be on a B side on side two, uh, essentially. But it's their it wasn't their first single, but it's their most popular from it. So, uh, you know, um, just kind of interesting to just go back and and see a song like this that kind of started off as this like you know just sort of this pop song then it became this masterful arena rock 13 minute uh jam session you know ultimate rock out song that's and it's 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 funny how those little changes to the song where you have no instrumentation besides a little bit of mike and a little bit of eddie in the beginning up until the whole band comes in sorry a little bit of jeff as well uh, yeah uh, but, but what, what's what's funny about it is is it's such a big change from this version because there is nothing personal about this version it's just it is just a song and yeah those slight changes in instrumentation uh gives it a whole different feel and uh, makes it personal you you, you could you could you could relate to it a little bit more when it's opened up and you know, it's got this campfire vibe for a little bit. And then of course the ending gets very emotional as well when you're singing along and they're soloing and it's, yeah, it's, it, 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 it turned out this for the was, best. This, <laughs> right. This was right. That this was just at, you know, we almost have it. It's almost at its best, but eh, just needed to tweak it just a little bit. I know. And, I'd uh, love to know where that tweak came in because, like I said, man, this they're they're playing this like like this was it. This was the one that they are recording. Right. Right. Um, they go from Better Man to Rats. This is a really really fantastic version of Rats. Not something that we come across uh, too often, so this we will play and this we will talk about.
about this version that makes it feel, you know, different than versions you would hear today or different than other ones. I, I feel maybe it's just like a step or two more upbeat, more bouncy, energetic. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't care for this, and I'll tell you why. And it's exactly what you're touching on. It's the way that he's singing it. He's he's like he's not talking it, but he's. I will. I you know. I guess I kind of got lost into how uh, how differently the band was pacing pacing themselves uh, compared to what they usually play this at. Uh-huh. But um, I guess I didn't I didn't notice anything different from Ed. I I don't know if I was just so entranced on just the energy that was coming out of the song that I, I just really either didn't notice or didn't care what Eddie was doing. Yeah, it was it was a little off. It wasn't bad. I mean, he sounded fine, but it wasn't like, you know, when when it popped up at like a, a like an MSG show and it's it's got this real creepy kind of uh get under your skin vibe to it. That wasn't here. And also No. Also it, what, this was played at a club and and you know, yeah. no, nothing special to it. It was just like singing the but lyrics and energy. Yeah, yeah, and you know yeah. what you know you know what changed it for me uh, instrumentation wise was uh, the bass and the drums. the The rhythm section is uh, Jeff's got a Jeff's got a, a pretty cool moving part, but when you pair it with the drums in this version, it is kind of poppy, and it's it it is strange. I will say, not not also, un, not it's 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 enjoyable. It's still the song. It doesn't it doesn't sound like this strange, different early version, right. but it's it is. It is uh, different. I think on versions nowadays, I think not that it's it's a standout, but I think Boom's part kind of plays a bigger role in it. And maybe that's how and why they pace it uh, kind of closer to the album. Yeah, this creepy vibe. Yeah, because this doesn't have a creepy vibe at all. It's It's just poppy and bouncy, so... All right, Ed says that this is the second to last night of this fucking tour, playing New York, and then we're going home. Been nice the last few days in Boston. Thanks so much. Can't let you see me smile. I'm supposed to be mean. Uh, then he said, speaking of rats, uh, let's thank our crew. They were the ones that made the set list tonight, and someone else made one too. Uh, I guess somebody in the crowd had like their own set list. I have no idea. So he's like, better man, we played that. Hard to imagine we played that. Crazy Mary can't play that. We can only play it when Victoria's here. And you hear the crowd just go, ah. Fun. Fun. Uh, Hopefully hopefully you all have have been to to shows after after that because uh, I'm sure you've seen Crazy Mary by now. Uh, I thought maybe, did he mention in the someone there? I thought maybe he was referring to maybe a set that, like yeah, they, I, like I think somebody wrote right. I think that somebody wrote up their own set and they were trying to give it to the band. Oh no, no, no! I, like, hey, I, play I, these songs. I was thinking it was it was the set by the band that the band made. Oh, I and then I have and no then idea. they were like, oh, let's let's maybe ask the crew what they would want instead. And then things got subbed out. Like they did better, man. They did this, that, but maybe those were all on the same set. And then the crew was like, no, do this instead. Instead of Crazy Mary, do this, do that. So maybe it was the band set versus the cruise set. I'm not sure. Oh, um, yeah. Well, maybe maybe the crew suggested Crazy Mary because that that's where he says we can't play that because we only play it when Victoria's here. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So, so maybe, maybe they 
Yeah, maybe. maybe they're going through the actual set list and they're saying, okay, well, we here's some the rare stuff like Better Man, uh, hard to imagine uh, that was uh, you know suggested to us. We we played those, but we didn't play Crazy Married, which was suggested to us because we won't play it without Victoria Williams. Yeah, like we we won't do Did Crazy. We figure it out. Like we won't do Crazy Mary, but we'll do Dirty Frank or something like that. Like it, maybe that was on. Yeah. Those. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that that's sort of. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm getting out of that. But um, anyway, uh, he says this is an awesome place that you live in here. Uh, there's generic towns and generic places. This ain't one of them. Lots of history and all that. Uh, Boston's just a bunch of rich college fuckers, spoiled, rude, negative attitudes towards women. Uh, I want to argue with them. I don't know, but college you think of higher learning, but this is where you get programmed to be part of the corporate structure and don't let it happen to you. So we kind of took a turn there. He's like, I love this place, but you kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know. I think, I think he's just stream of conscious. You know, this whole era is all just whatever's coming to his head at the mind. And he's not, you know, thinking about, Okay, I really want to send this special message out yeah. to, you know, this uh my friend who's going through this hard battle with a disease and I have this, you know, this uh thought from from the heart that I would I would like to extend to him. He's he's not doing that at this time. It's just he's there's probably nowhere in the set where it says, "Okay, let's stop." No, probably not. You know, he's probably just deciding, "All right, I need need some water, need need wine, need a little break." So, uh, this is really the end of the first set here. Uh, it ends with blood. Uh, Ed's doing a lot of heavy breathing into the mic on this one while the drum beat is going. And that's kind of during that, you know, uh, post first chorus. Uh, but voice sounds like he's on top of it and, uh, fans are clapping along with the drum beat, uh, during the, the painted big part, suck my fucking life out, man. Uh, this sounds really good not anything massive it was this song he uh, i mentioned to you but when we paused to play a track uh he he, ju- he jumped he jumped in a little early at a part which we've discussed oh, okay. before blood is uh, it, it seems to confuse a lot of band members sometimes you know one one band member will it's always be a little song. off it's a tricky song uh dude i hated that breathing in the beginning it was gross it was what it was i don't care i had my i had my headphones in and i'm listening to the breathing i'm like dude stop I, I i just fast forwarded <laughs> until it was over i'm like Ugh. that is kind of the most annoying thing to listen to just <laughs> especially like if you're on the phone with somebody and like they don't know what to say or you're waiting for them to say something and all you can hear is just there <sighs> and, and and he's doing it purposefully he's not it's not you know it's not his actual breath it, it's just <laughs> <sighs> he's putting emphasis on it. I think that that might be why you're uh, you're frustrated with it. You it hate it. Gross. Yeah, I I have the vinyl too. I don't know why it was just. Well, it was in my headphones. It was just so loud. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. That gets us into the encore. Uh. Release opens up the encore, and I guess part of the set list uh, construction. Uh, that the crew decided to do uh, was to make it unique and release is never played in the encore. It's, it's usually never played outside the opener. So 
even back then, uh, it was just kind of maintained in one spot. But opening up the Encore here, the only other time I can think of that that this happened was uh, uh, when somebody else created the set list. Uh, I can't remember. I think his name was Brian Farius the that created the Amsterdam set list mm. from 2012. Uh, I think they played that in the encore. I think they opened up the encore with that. I wonder if that was a throwback to this moment. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it definitely could have been. I mean, you know, the Orpheum has been circulating around for a long time, so it's entirely possible. Um, I got this is just a great and passion version. I got I got really nothing big to note on it. No, no, no big notes. Uh, uh, we've definitely heard some more exciting versions, but this was good. This was tight. That's all I asked for. Yeah, and and you know what? I think it's 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 just weird to hear it outside of the opener and or you know opener section, so to speak. It's just, um, I guess you're not used to it, and it doesn't hit you in the same way that it does when you open a show. I. When they were doing uh, the six, 2016 tours, uh, they opened up most of those shows. They opened up with, they didn't do a slow burn. They you know would open up with a go or a why go or, or mind your manners or something like that or a corduroy. Um, so I think it was the first night of that MSG show uh, in 2016. They played release like seventh. It was the first of the cool down, you know, where elderly woman or something like that would go. And I think they did release and low light back to back in that little section. And I remember there wasn't a lot of talking beforehand. It, it went from something like, I don't know, like, like lightning bolt into release. And I remember just, it, it just kind of sprung up on, on the crowd and, and they were like, what's this doing here? You know, but they did that a couple times then. And, uh, I don't, I don't think I was crazy about it. I don't know if the band was too crazy about it, but anyway. Yeah. Um, this gets into Tremor Christ. Uh, we're going to play it for you in a second. Another pre-Vitalogy cut, and it's the fifth time that it was ever performed. Uh, again, it's Dave A. That's the standout on such a tight version of the song. I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed that they can put these songs together and make them sound so tight and so good when they're so raw and so early in the early stages of, of really developing them. And, and it happens so many times with so many of these songs tonight. Again, fifth version of this song that was ever played. Uh, let's listen to it here.
I just want to emphasize the point again that I'm I'm really in awe of these new songs that they're bringing to the table that they don't have a lot of practice, so to speak, live with. Uh, all sound really tight. Tremor Christ being, you know, absolutely one of them. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, who knows? This they could have started. Tremor Christ could have been put down in, you know, November '93. So. You know, because this one sounded really good. I, I, it could have been around for a bit, but it was, it was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's move on. I think um, this once that comes after Tremor Christ is a really good version. Uh, but there's so much at the end here that I feel like we have to get to that I think we have to omit uh, hearing this. Um, it's just energetic and intense and very tight. The crowd is eating it alive, and those are my notes. For, uh, for the next song, for, for once, once. Yes. oh yeah, fantastic! I, I thought this was great too. Uh, this one I tried to look for notes on because uh, you know I'm picky about placement with this one sometimes, and I I couldn't really couldn't really get anything out of it because it was it was tight, it was good, and yeah, the crowd is they come through on this one for sure. This whole encore, there's it's it's just weird. I mean, I don't want to say weird placements, <laughs> but yeah, like if you're if you're thinking you know, comparing and contrasting 25 years later, you know, this is nowhere what they would decide to do now. Uh, but, you know, once in this spot, I guess they would do once kind of in an encore, but I feel like, yeah, no, no, once would be in an encore today, wouldn't it? I, I mean, end encore one, uh, towards the end of an encore one, I think, I think it would be perfectly acceptable yeah yeah okay then then yeah this is it's a fine spot for it i th- I think when i see yeah. once going into fucking up i'm thinking like oh that's kind of that should be the end of the show but it's not it's you know there's a couple more songs left to go and it's you know really got a lot of lot more left to it uh fucking up here you don't like this song but this version is a lot different. Let's play it first and then let's let's hear what you think. Get up! Get up! I can see you! Get up! faster than how we hear it today uh that kind of just has that even pace to it but uh this is just it's interesting i i actually really dug it um and asking people on the balcony get up get up uh just great i could Uh, see you 
<laughs> he says he says he can see him, right? I can see you. Uh, <laughs> drums sound really good. This was also the ninth time they'd ever played it. Uh, so, you know, like I said, more common version is way more even of a tempo. Uh, so, not just that you're hearing fucking up, you're hearing a rare version of it. So, you don't. But you said you've said before you don't like the song. Right. No, this is like this is like not for you as well. This is so repetitive. Uh, it's it's not interesting. You know what drives me nuts on this? It's like where everyone in the band comes together to sing the chorus. You know, keep fucking up, but it, it doesn't it doesn't sound good. It's just a bunch of guys saying the same thing into a microphone. It's it's very no, distracting no to me. No, so you don't need you know but five guys doing called, it. The song is called uh, fucking up. It's not called like you know perfecting. Up. so they're still doing it it. F- they're still doing it they're still doing it live though i i don't it's boring it's it's just not an interesting song it's not fun it's not creative it's not it's not like a super creative melody riff progression i i think this version is interesting just because of how fast it is um but uh yeah so sometimes i get a little bored with it i can i can see what you're saying that it just sort of yeah gets a little repetitive but um I I was really into I was really into this version. Uh, I honestly didn't even notice the sped up tempo because uh, really, yeah, it's I it was, it's wasn't pretty it's obvious. Still, it's still just so incredibly repetitive to me. That's that's what I notice. Hmm. All right, uh, all right. Here's here's where you're just gonna just go on a tirade. Uh, we haven't covered this on a regular show. We've covered this on a Patreon episode, I believe, the New Year's Eve episode. Um, I'm sure that the crew picked this song because they never do it, and they're never going to do it much again afterwards. Um, and it's probably the most requested song that, you know, just fans that have been through shows throughout the years that have caught just about everything that there is to catch have probably never caught this. This is the ultimate white whale to a lot of people. And just because it's so different, it doesn't sound anything like how the band sounds like. And the band seems to not have this desire to play it nowadays. And I can understand why, just why would you? Um, But let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Here is for all of you Dirty Frank lovers. sixth time that this was ever played uh they would go on to play it two more times since this night in 2006 i believe 
Uh, I believe one of the shows that Steve went to in France, they they played it, and that might be the last time that they'd ever played it. And that's not including the dirty water teas that we got at Fenway. Well, you're just never going to let that thing go, are you? Well, no, I, you got to bring it up. It's <laughs> I, it, it's not me. Like other people, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm not a dirty Frank chaser. There are other people that I'm sure like it, you know, tore their life apart just to hear that and not get the rest of the song. <laughs> that, that was always the, the thing I had with this song is, you know, maybe people won't say this, but I just have this feeling where they'll play it or something, you know, in the next tour saying, Someone will be explaining, like, oh, we got this really suit the rarest song ever. We got it, we got it, we got it. And they'll be like, oh, it's rare. Is it a good song? And then people are going to be like, no, it's not a good song, but we got it. That just makes no sense to me. I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. I'm with you. I'm not a chaser of it. I don't care if I ever hear it. If I do hear it, that's fine. It's not going to, you know, I don't enjoy it, but. Dude, uh, no, I, yeah, I, yeah. Th- that's a really good conversation. I, look, it's not. I think it's it's catchy and it's it's obviously a Red Hot Chili Pepper song, um, but is it is it more it's of not, the fact that people want that it as a trophy? It, it is. I think it is. I think it is. But it's I think there it's not there. It's not their wheelhouse. It's weird. It's it's forced. But that's why it uh. also didn't make an album outside of Lost Dogs. What? Because it didn't. It made Lost Dogs, and that was it. Yeah, because it's it, would, not good. it wouldn't make a regular album. I don't. I. I don't think the band would ever consider putting it on one of the nope. earlier ones. Um, thank, thank God. But there, yeah, there are songs that they have that are trophy songs that people want as basically a you know to put on their mantle and say like I got this on this date and I'm still searching for certain things and and that's okay I, I, like. There are songs that I really want that I don't necessarily love that aren't my favorite songs, but you go to so many shows that you have to sort of, for some people, I think that besides the music and hearing it every night, you have to have a reason to, you know, drive yourself to, to, to go back. And I think one of them is, is that there's a good chance that you can get something crazy and rare like this. Yeah, I agree with all that, but we could both agree that for both of us, Dirty Frank is not that song. No, no. And you know what else? Uh, this actually, this is a really, I'm, I'm glad we're, I'm bringing this up here because uh, this got brought up last week uh, was the anniversary, 25th anniversary, because 1994, uh, of Out of My Mind when they did that for the first time in Atlanta and kind of spring in the jam. Uh and I had written, somebody had written that the Dave A version is far more superior. And I wrote oh, back. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I so, this, yeah. So I'm glad I'm bringing this up. Uh, I was wondering when you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I, I wasn't planning on it, but I'm, I'm glad we got there because I, <laughs> I think this is a, a pivotal point in the show that, that uh, you know, hey, we somebody's noticed us. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember. I'm I'm sorry if I don't remember names here. I don't remember the name of uh, whoever commented and said that out of my mind is a is superior with Dave A. And I wrote back and I said that um, 
I wouldn't consider any version of Out of My Mind superior because I just don't feel that way about Out of My Mind. It's it to me, it's just it's another trophy song. It's rare. It's just kind of an improvisational jam, and that that's really right. all. Actually, one one of that's one of my trophy songs. Actually, I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, you can't take my trophy. I have it. You don't. Ha. Uh, Didn't you say it anyway, sucked that uh, night, though? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but it doesn't matter. A song like that, whether it sucks or not, it it, it doesn't matter because it, it, again, uh, it's the rarity. It, that's go- that's going back to what we were saying about alone and and all those songs from before. Yeah, that's that's where I go into like a subcategory, though. You know, if I got out of my mind and it was terrible, I'd be like, I. I'm going to have to get it again. You're going to have to do it again, boys. Right. But I'm, I'm, I, get, I'm t- I give it, I give it a little bit of a pass because it's like, again, they never did a recording of it. It was just kind of an improv that they did again and then waited, uh, 15 more years to do again with a different drummer. And, you know, even Ed said at that version, uh, at the spectrum, you know, we don't really know what we're doing here, but uh, I'll figure out the lyrics. And he said the same thing again uh, at the Fenway show. So, you know, it's it's fine. I wasn't expecting anything, uh, a masterpiece work of art. I'm just expecting, yeah. you know, the, cool. It's rare. It's a trophy. Fine. But yeah, that's where you and I differ on that, too. It's being played live. It exists. There are lyrics sing them but so we we do we do differ on that so uh the fan that 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 commented uh tagged dave dave a in the post and he said uh and he responded back by saying he thought that the versions with dave a were superior even though i had said uh even though i don't think it is a superior song dave a was like you know he was a fucking nonstop train at this time and and he was incredible uh and then he wrote back and said uh, i think that the band was coming into their own i think they were really finding their musical identity and it, it was it was a really good point i didn't even uh think of it that way and um uh dave a liked his point so if dave a agrees with what he said uh who am i to say that he's wrong well, Dave A was agreeing to a compliment that was given to him. Yeah, yeah, but he probably <laughs> he probably he probably would agree with that. You know, I, I'm sure. Well, no, no, and I, I, I know that was just a joke because I do I do agree with it as well. And, I think uh, <laughs> I think the point here that we're you know uh, the obvious point here is that Dave A knows of Live on Four Legs podcast. He well, he does now. Existence. He does now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's that is a live on four legs trophy. There you go. So we have all different, a couple different mantles that we have to with, strive with, for. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, let's let's give credit to who tagged him, who who brought him in and made him aware. We got to give credit there too. Yeah, I'm sorry if uh, I I just don't have the that post up, but um, um, maybe we'll get we'll give you a shout out on the next show if I remember it. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, Do you remember definitely. the guy's name? I don't, and I don't. I don't have Facebook up either. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. We'll uh, get you. We'll get you. Don't worry. We'll we'll get you next time. Yep. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. I. You know, D- Dirty Frank. The only last thing I can say about it was, even though people want to hear it so bad today, I think it just needs to be kept in 1994. 
vault it or earlier or 92 <laughs> it's really more of a 92 than 94 song but either way um all right uh next up this is uh this is interesting we get yellow lead better in this spot and this is a very very early version of lead better it's got like we said before that reverby bluesy uh you know early 90s sound to it um it really it has it has bluesy sound to it now but it doesn't have that reverby uh i don't know i don't know if i'm explaining that right and you are when i say uh, that I, I think, is that i think everybody understands what you're saying you 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 are yeah. it's yeah it's reverb and it just fe- it feels long it feels like it, the cor- it, you know it fills it out more which which isn't really here right it's not like an echo but it's yeah it fills out um kind of so this was the eighth time that this was ever played uh and ed doesn't start the song by singing unsealed a, a porch on a porch a letter sat uh so it, it it it's made some changes throughout the times and obviously he's changed the lyrics you know whenever he damn well pleases at times but um from the way that they're playing the song do you get the sense that this is gonna at some point be a signature song of theirs. You know, that's really funny that you mentioned that because no. And, and I'll, I'll say I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt for the time period and that it, it hadn't been played often and, you know, switching lyrics around, whatever they're trying to find how to play it. You know, with, like you were saying with the, the tone on the guitar, uh, even down to small details like that. This was just so boring. It was so mid tempo. It was like nothing happening for four and a half minutes. I'm, I'm like, I'm waiting for something. It's like, it's like just, it's a lullaby there to put you to sleep. Not this, not this showstopper arena song. And it's really however, amazing to see how it, how it evolved. You know? Yeah. However, the crowd is really into it. Sure, sure, absolutely. And that's that's why I was thinking that maybe like this is the band thinking at the time like okay you know we're playing it this way but this can evolve from here where yeah. can we start to make this a signature song i i um, exactly exactly you could hear like you said the crowd is responding and i mean they're probably wondering you know how do we perfect this i mean this is the song but where do we go from here and what are we doing wrong with it uh unlike better man which was so tight where that that could have been the version that we got on an album. So it's, it is very interesting right. to hear, to hear these two uh, uh, parallel each other in that ways. Cause in that way, because you know, one sounds like this is it, this is what we're getting and it's not. And then the other one is pretty close, you know, yellow lead is pretty close, but they're like, no, this isn't quite done yet. You know? So going through some of the stats on, on this uh, real quick, uh, in 93, I believe the second full time that they had played it, uh, they closed with it. And then to the first night in the Boston Garden uh, before the Orpheum, they, they had closed with it too. So not, you know, obviously eight times in, they're still sort of figuring this out. But once you get into 95, uh, you know, it looks like they played it a handful of times within, you know, a couple of... Uh, uh, the Australian tour and I think they did Asia and then going back to the U S it really once soldier field hit it. You look at it and on live footsteps, it'll tell you whether something's a closer or an opener. 
And from that Soldier Field show up until, you know, you scroll up, you see all the shows in 96. Closer, 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 closer. Uh, there was only one show in 96 where it wasn't a closer, but they played it for, that's almost uh, 15, 16, 17 shows, something like that. And then you you go up to the later years, uh, 1998, um, only one, once out of, you know, what is this, like... 20 times, 22 times, something like that. Only once it wasn't a closer. So it it, had, it was pretty close after that, that that it had found its stride, I, I suppose. So this is really the budding of the song. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. I actually don't know really when it got popular because right now you'll you'll hear the song on uh, some modern, modern rock uh, uh, call alternative classic rock stations you'll you'll hear Ledbetter from time to time but i you know kind of don't know when that all started did you know also uh the intro guitar riff to Ledbetter was played in the friends series finale episode? that i do know yep yeah yeah i, that, I ask, think that's pro i don't know how i know that i'm a seinfeld guy but uh <sighs> I, no, I know that's <laughs> it's the finale it's the finale of friends that's an important moment Ross i guess everyone is playing or something everyone has seen that yeah um but maybe that that's sort of it's funny that you mentioned that because i always said that um don't stop believing got really popular when right. uh the sopranos episode happened yep um so maybe Ledbetter kind of in a sense did the same thing Maybe uh, I, mean, I don't know. There were no lyrics or <laughs> right, chorus but, or but anything people, past a intro riff, but you know, you know, uh, it, it was actually in a movie too. It was in um, Fifty Fifty, I believe the movie was called. It had a uh, oh, yep, yeah, yeah, but, Seth uh, Rogen and, and uh, what's his face in it, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah, and uh, yep. I think Anna Kendrick was in it too. Okay, I haven't seen that in a long time, but I, I did see it. It was, that's a good movie. That's that's a uh-huh. that's a really solid movie. Yeah, they, yeah, it's all. I think the movie's based in Seattle. It's got all, you know, it's Death Cab for Cutie and you know all Seattle based. And I remember I saw it in theaters, and it got to the end of the movie, and I'm like, please play a fucking Pearl Jam song. Please play a fucking Pearl Jam song. And then Ledbetter hit. I'm like, oh my god, they fucking did it. And I remember being very happy about that. So. Um, all right, we don't have uh, don't have too much to go here, so let's uh, let's finish this out. Um, there's a little jam after Ledbetter. Uh, what did uh, how how did this sound to you? What did what did this sound? I'm I'm curious to to get your thoughts on that. What did what like genre or like you know uh, what I band mean, does it, was, it feel like? It was cool, cool little bluesy solo from from Mike here. I, I, I Every, feel like everything else. Everything else was kind of stupid, though. Uh, I, don't, I wasn't. I didn't really care for it. I feel like it was somewhere in between Billy Joel and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, it was. But yeah, Jeff and and Dave A were doing. I don't know. They were doing more of like a a weird progression there with the rhythm. And it, I don't know. You know how I am with these improvs. Uh, there are some yeah, bands yeah, that it's... there are some bands that should improv and jam, and there are some that shouldn't. Right. Yeah, and you know what? I'll just I'll just leave it. It, at it that. is what it is. Yeah, it is <laughs> yeah, what it is. It is what it is. Um, uh, th- this is one of the be- this is one of the better ones that we've covered though, because the the guitars were really cool. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, uh, River Mirror comes next. Uh, it's a good version, and the bridge was 
wasn't really developed into something otherworldly at this point, but it's really jammy and tight, and uh, this whole song sounds pretty tight. Uh, quicker than usual versions. Um, probably, you know, I think we hear a lot of, you know, Stone really dabbling with uh, the bridges, you know, early 2000s or so, where he was really finding a stride uh, with the song. And, um, you know, I just think with so much stuff in the show, I don't think that Rearview Mirror is as much of a standout. It's good, but there's a lot of stuff in the show. Yeah, it was it was tight, and uh, you get Stone's backups here and in Glorified G because you, you don't get them in Better Man this early. So you, you hear Stone. That makes me happy. Yeah, um, but I, again, <laughs> I, I just don't think it's a standout no, show no. Uh, song it's, of the night. That's... I think I think it's smart putting it at the end here because you're gonna you're gonna showcase it more, and then it's gonna build to where to where it's gotten now. So they're they're putting it in its spot where it deserves, uh, maybe before it deserves it because it's, you know what I mean? Like yeah, like has it earned it yet? Maybe not, but it's mm, it's yeah. it's, cer- it's certainly has, and maybe crowd sounds had, into it. Yeah, maybe so. they just had that plan for it early on and they're like no we gotta we're gonna train this to be to be a a a, a mega hit at the live show so if that's the case yeah. then i'm i'm about it uh we get this kind of they they kind of tease it as as this is going to be the closer here El- elderly woman is next and um you look at it on the set and it's the second to last song and you're thinking to yourself hmm that's i don't know about hmm. this Hmm. I actually, I really, really love the placement of this. And and I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't think that they can do it now. I think that, that they missed the mark with it. But I think that this could have been like one of three. If they decided back then that, you know, Elderly Woman was going to be something that they wanted to close a show with, I think that Elderly Woman would have been up there with Indifference and Yellow Ledbetter switching off a lot you know what i mean uh, yeah uh, well i you don't agree no i very much know what you mean and i thought you were gonna bite my head off on this one because i i wrote down almost word for word what you did i 100 percent agree i think it fits for this show perfectly and i loved it doesn't it doesn't it feel like you end a show with it and you're ending on kind of a happy sing-along like you know Ledbetter is not really a sing-along, but it's kind of not you know, yet. It's a, not it's a, not this version. Not this version. You don't think this version of El- Elderly is a sim- sing-along? No, 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 no. This version of of Ledbetter. Oh no, 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 no. But I'm saying yeah. like when they usually close with it nowadays. Oh, I think I think it's I think it could very much be if people aren't aren't um well, totally it's a, over okay, it like, like we are. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, here, here's here's the thing. It, it's got if if you add an elderly woman with. Ledbetter and Indifference, they're three totally different personalities that you can end a show with. And right. I feel like you're at the high spectrum of a sing-along if you do end a show with Elderly Woman. And you're kind of ending on a really warm feeling and, you know, that fade away. Imagine a show ending that way and then just saying goodbye afterwards. It just, it's kind of, it gives you goosebumps just kind of thinking about it. Yeah, seeing it written down is is definitely uh, makes you scratch your head. But this uh, this worked. I, I agree. How, how 
However, I don't think I think if they wanted to do that in like '95 and add that to their repertoire, fine. But I don't think in 2019 they can just come out of nowhere and say we're closing a show with elderly woman. I I, I don't think that's gonna work. Yeah, I mean, I I I agree, but I I think it. I'd like to think it would, though, after after talking about it and hearing it this way. I, right. I, I, just, I would just have think, some hope. I just think you're going to shock a lot of people, and, and I don't know if people want to be shocked like that. Yeah, I think, they want to be shocked. I think maybe the majority would uh, would not appreciate it. Yeah, I would have to agree Un- with that. Unfortunately, unfortunately. And it's funny you bring yeah. it up because uh, uh, apparently uh, Indifference was on the set but was not played, and I'm wondering... If we were going to get like a uh, 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 that at the end, which would have been yeah. like kind of like you said, like so many different Ender songs or songs that would work as Enders, I wonder where that was going to go. Yeah, I, was, um, I, I don't. You know, we kind of figure out sometimes personalities for different shows, and and this one, I feel like. Uh, if they decided to close Elderly Woman with it, I feel like it would have fit. But mm-hmm. uh, they decide to go a different direction, and they went the right direction. Let's just put it that way. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with this. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, and he actually says, uh, we haven't played this one in forever. It was like 25 shows. I, December 93, so it wasn't really forever, but a few months. Uh I guess when you're out on tour, it feels like forever. (laughs) Probably, yeah. Uh, He says, we only play it when we really have a feeling. And they go into it, and they almost never stop. So I don't know how much of this we're going to play, but we're going to play enough of it where we have to play as much of it as humanly possible. So just just listen and and enjoy. Early early Pearl Jam doing Beatles. I've got a feeling um, there's not much better than this. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh,
before we uh, really kind of gush over how great this performance was, I just want to get stats out there. Uh, this was the 31st time out of 35 times played. So only four times have we heard this song since uh, since this show, which is kind of incredible that they've went different directions on, on covers. Uh, Fenway from 2016, I think that's... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story about that in a second, but um, that was the first time since 2004 that they had played it, so a 357-show layoff. I think they played it one of the Wrigley shows, too. Was it the one that you went to? Well, I was just going to say I could tell you a story because I saw it at Wrigley night two. Oh, okay. Uh, 2016. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that was my story. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, no. it, was the, it was the ender after Yellow Ledbetter, and Steve and I looked at each other, and we just basically jumped into each other's arms because ah. it was like oh night's over and then and then uh the little guitar riff in the beginning starts and we're like no way uh, it was that, a, it was it was what... a cool it was a cool ender for kind of a uh, that was a it's a you know we should we should get to that show at some point it's a strange set very strange set yeah better man is the fourth song in i don't, I don't... It's not the kind of night two set you're used to. I'll put it that way. No, no. Uh, so I guess my story with this is that I really should should have appreciated it more. That that Fenway show in 2016 is probably me at my worst. This was me at my worst because I told my brother beforehand we were at this like private bar that one of his friends is a part of some like racket racquetball bar whatever okay. it was and i told him i'm like oh they never go on on time you know they'll, they'll go on at like eight so 7 30 rolls around and we're like all right all right let's finish up and i think we walked out the door at 7 40 and elderly woman's playing and my my brother's just like oh cool uh, they started the set and i'm like no no that's got to be a bar and he's like no that's coming from that's coming from the the stadium <laughs> like fucking kidding me you uh, like, I mean, it was half my fault, but half kind of his because I, I had said that I wanted to go earlier, but we had drank a lot that night. Mm. Um, me specifically had drank a lot that night. Uh, and so it was kind of cool to walk to the park and hear all the songs you know, as, as, as they're playing them, as we're walking. So it, it, yeah, we're, you know, midway through my brother's like, we're at the show, we're getting the show, even though we're not looking at them, we're still getting the show. Uh, so it's a different, you know, is a, is a different vibe to it. But, uh, um, the whole show I had been drinking more and more and I really I really needed to go to the bathroom many times. Um, and I decided that uh, a live was a perfect time to go to the, the bathroom because I had seen a live about 15, 16 times. Why would I need to see it again? So then I decided after going to the bathroom that there was a merch stand, uh, one of the indoor merch places there. And I went there. And said, you know what? I, don't, I didn't get a chance to get my poster. I, I'm I'm going online and I'm getting a poster now. So while I was online getting a poster, I missed most of I've Got a Feeling. And I think that they did Bob O'Reilly somewhere. I'm not sure if they closed with I Got a Feeling or I'm not sure if they closed with Bob O'Reilly, one or the other. But I feel like I'm, I don't remember the whole end of that show. 
because mm. I went and got a poster and and then kind of walked out. So it was really a missed opportunity. I didn't realize. I guess I didn't realize at the time how how rare it was to hear that. So a little disappointing. A little disappointing. <laughs> But they didn't go on for 16 minutes. If they went on for 16 minutes, I, I'm sure I would have heard something. But this is this is like, man, this is like 15, 16 minutes here. This is this is crazy. Oh, with the with the little jam. Yeah, isn't it just a little jam? That, that that's, L- that's L- uh, with this with the little jam. <laughs> that is not a little jam. That is like <laughs> a a performance, friend. Yes. Um, yeah, this was awesome. It's I called it mu- musical heaven in my notes. Uh, I don't know if it was in their plan to take this long to to do it. To you know, I, it seems like the entire band knew what they were doing the whole time, and then you know, once about in like the eleven or twelve minute mark, maybe a little earlier than that, they go right back into the chorus, and then they go back into a jam. Uh, the whole thing is just awesome. It, it yeah. is a it is a work of art, and that's why I wanted to play it a lot. And anything else on it? Like I feel like we can talk about this for days. I uh, uh, all I could say is I I just hope hope we get it again sometime. Yeah, we will. Den hog, if we ever do den hog at some point. That's uh. No, no, no I'm talking about like. Oh, in the oh, now. Tour. <laughs> oh, now. Oh, now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we wait for them to announce something, and then then we'll go chasing waterfalls. Uh, yeah, this is just this is just an incredible version. At, at the end, um, I think we get a crew member on stage. It was debated between Baba and I whether or not it was a crew member or uh, Eddie's brother, but I think that Den Hog show that I was talking about, uh, uh, Eddie's brother joined them for this. Uh, but somebody played on stage with them and then at the end, like Mike kind of like pushes him off stage. Like, all right, come on, come on, bud. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, so I, I, and the guy seems, I don't know if he, if he's wasted or not, but, uh, he definitely looks like a roadie. He's got that, that roadie look. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the long hair and like the jean jacket <laughs> and you know, black black uh jean pants i think i think i think that's what it was i i don't, I don't remember but he, he looked like a very typical roadie um but anyway uh also ed ed gives flowers to somebody it looks like a kid he it looks like he gave a kid flowers here like a bouquet of roses you know i don't have any background don't have any story about that so uh all right uh, we're at the end of this, so that means uh, we get to rate it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what you're gonna say because I you, you weren't as in, you weren't as enthusiastic about this as I was, and uh, that's like disappointing when you're more enthusiastic about Charlotte than you are about uh, Live at the Garden or the Orpheum. That that, that, that I, I just it disappoints me. Um. Well, Randy, as I've as I've said many times in those episodes, there are sets and performances that are interesting, and there are DVDs of performances that are less interesting. And just because one has a DVD and the other one doesn't, doesn't make that a better show. That's that's just that's I listen to, to really uh, performances and 
and set lists and rarities. And this one does have rarities. It's fun. Uh, it's cool how they set it up with the with the crew picking it. With you know, I'm, I'm sure they had some some help from the bands. You know, where they were talking about Crazy Mary, and you know, they did Better Man. So I'm sure it was a collaborative effort, which is also really cool. Like, let's work with some of our friends that have been carrying our crap for <laughs> for months. You know, a good way to give back. Nice little gift. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff, but there's not a lot of stuff here that's really, you know, wowing me. Uh, super tight performance. There there are a lot of moments that I don't like, though. You know, I I think overall I'd have to give it a seven, but it's a it's a very strong seven. It's not like a it's not like I'm landing on seven. It's like a, it's a it's a it's a strong seven, which I think is a pretty but, pretty good show. But would you push it to seven point five because of some of the things that happened? No, you wouldn't do that. All right, because sometimes when I find myself in that that range, I say, okay, I look at the moments and I say, all right, is this a moment that that has been captured and you know uh, cherished by the fan base and been beloved and and is this important? And I sort of I well, that, it's because you I feel swing that way in, about, in the higher direction. You feel that way about certain songs in this set specifically. And I do. Yeah, I do. I, I don't. I think there's I a lot of really important stuff here. Uh, it's not just important. It's good. This is a really fan freaking tastic show. And it holds up to this day. And it even sounds it, it even stands out in, in this era. You know, it's just I think a lot of this stuff uh, is just still so raw and still I don't want to use the word angst. It's not really angst, but it just feels, you know, it feels. It feels early. It it feels like the band is is still figuring it out, and and it feels it feels good because they're they're in a sense a little ignorant towards what they're doing. Um, but the, again, knowing knowing what they're doing, you know what I mean when I say ignorant. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I don't think you meant it in a bad way. No, 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 no. no. That's that's. I I just wanted to make sure that I'm not. Right. I'm not saying ignorant like they're stupid. Right, uh, right, right. I I got that. But like, yeah, they're just they're still young um, and it just has legendary moments. Hard to imagine. You're not going to hear this for another four years. Uh, and even today, it's very rare to hear it. So it sticks out in a lot of people's heads. Immortality with different lyrics. I think that's a legendary moment. I think that's one of the most important versions of this song. Uh, I've got a feeling was was incredible. Um, and then even the stuff like like I said, Rats and Tremor Christ and all the early stuff, early Vitalogy stuff that they played at this show. Not for you, uh, Better Man sounds really good and just impresses me that. You know, they can be so early in the songwriting stages, immortality too, uh, that things can, can be this tight. So um, I think I think it's a nine for me. I think that's an easy nine. Wow, that's really high. Uh, yeah, you, you, and it's deserving of it. Uh, yeah. This wouldn't be on vinyl if people didn't think it was good. Uh, it's available. It's... Uh... No, it's, it's not just available. It's it's, it's popular, uh, but legendary. I think is a stretch. Um, I think this suffers from something uh, that we've talked about a lot. Actually, I think a big thing with this one for me is that this is like the definition of had to be there for me. I don't know. I get the sense that it brought me there. Mm. 
So uh, I want to take a second to uh, read an email from uh, Patrick Bogle-Bagel. He wrote in to kind of talk about the bootleg uh, that was surfacing around that time and and sort of... uh, Interesting here to to kind of see what was going on. I think a lot of you will have some flashbacks if you were, you know, if you were in the game at the time. I'm sure this happened a lot. So it says, so back in the day when us geezers got to shows via tape trading or on occasions via illicit means of bootlegs, often the means had to resort uh, to the interwebs. And this is a classic tale of heroes, villains, con artists, and, well, no actual heroes, but fans left totally hanging on a hopeful lie. Oof. Uh, To further set the stage, I was in college at the exact same time, and every few months there would be record shows. Uh, To prep for said shows as well, to get the news on the non-illegal side of the industry, a great resource was Ice Magazine, a newsletter that covered impending record releases, including the import market. So in January in 1995, in the Going Underground section, appears a story that a bootleg of the much-hyped Orpheum Theater show is uh, coming on a release into the, uh, called Into the Garden on the Octopus Gold Collection label. The label was going to be releasing all soundboard sh- source shows on their label. This was not impossible to imagine at the time. Back in the mid-90s, there were several soundboard source shows from many bands. A few of Pearl Jam's 92 Europe shows surfaced this way. Alas, we waited, and alas, it never came. No Dirty Frank, no 20-Minute I've Got a Feeling, no Encore release, no road-tested new songs from prior to Vitalogy release, uh, like Better Man immortality not for you tremor christ and then came the comically ridiculously packaged dedicated to the motherfuckers a homage by the bootleggers to smear the two guys who ripped them off it takes a great degree of special lack of awareness to produce an entire bootleg that you have no rights to in order to shame two guys who scam you uh, fast forward to late 2010 when the news began to break on the anniversary release of Versus Vitalogy and the glorious the band and glorious the band made the ultimate choice to include the ultimate live show in their box set understanding the limitations on the production of the vinyl it was a little bit of a bummer that stayed alone trust hard to imagine alone better man yell led better and the post led better jam were only put out as mp3s but understandable at the time that live recording flaws had them omit animal and go and i've got a feeling hopefully there are more vault releases to come from this era there are a couple of terrific shows during spring of 94 which we've said this whole entire show and you know what i'm gonna post this uh at some point this week these are this is the article from ice magazine that um uh promotes said uh uh, into the garden on the octopus gold collection uh that that never ended up happening. So, um, interesting interesting story, and the the dedicated to the motherfuckers is is pretty pretty funny. So, uh, and yeah, the, this whole thing here it says special no thanks. We actually want to wish to Mr. Richard Bell and Mr. Michael Eng for not having supplied as promised the live tape that was meant to be used for this double CD. Shortly, the story reads as follows. The last year, last year simultaneously with another CD producer we had been contacted by 
the above-mentioned guys who proudly claim to be VIPs well inside the Pearl Jam camp. They sure amazed us by stating their easily possible, poss- easy possibility to have access to any Pearl Jam live recording we wish to own. Pure mixing desk. They also claimed they were speaking on behalf of the band itself, and in particular Eddie Vedder, who, according to their words, was extremely keen on taking part in such a type of production in order to please Pearl Jam fans all over the world. All along the last few years, we had been approached by a lot of this false traitors, but we've always carefully checked their sources to unmask the hiding cheater. After all... There are so many that are around. So, and this kind of goes forward and and uh, and talks about the Golden Collection label, and uh, and th- this one is is for your favorite motherfuckers. They say so. Pretty funny story. And uh, thanks for writing in, Patrick. And uh, from there, let's go into our PSA. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. All right. So if you have any ideas of mine for a show, uh, you would like us to cover at some point live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. Uh, even if you don't have any ideas, if you're enjoying the show, if you uh, had a point that you wanted to bring up that you disagreed with either of us on or agreed with us on, uh, I think it's, it's, it's good to get a lot of different minds uh, in on this. As, as you see that there's, uh, a lot of different thoughts that go into uh, these errors and go into these songs. And, and you know, um, for people that are in their mid-40s that, that lived in this era, I, I love talking to them because they, they get a sense of and a grasp of really what what went on. So, uh, you know, even even if, you, if you're a new... It doesn't matter who you are. It really doesn't. Uh, if you're a new fan and, and you have... You know things that that you like about things and and you got things to talk about just just hit us up just let us know what you like uh maybe we'll start reading some emails on air if that entices people to to write in because um you know feedback is feedback is nice and sometimes we 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 know that people are listening but we don't know if people are enjoying that's what i want to know <laughs> you know in you, 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 do you know what i mean well that's a very important part of it how, however, however, we haven't got at all, really. Uh, we haven't gotten any people complaining and saying we we covered something poorly. We 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 didn't do something justice. Uh, so that makes me happy. So it's sort of a no news is good news type thing. So 
next week we gotta we gotta talk about this. Uh, I, I I I'm not like super confident about what we're doing next week, but um, you know things can also change. I, I we we just have to plan it. We just have to schedule it because uh, we have somebody uh, from the West Coast that is supposed to be a guest, but his work schedule is like you know a nine to a nine to five and then has to put kids to bed. So by the time he puts kids to bed on the West coast, uh, it's like you know, 10, 11 o'clock here. <laughs> exactly. So that it's really tough for us to do a show. Uh, so if things all go according to plan, uh, we're going to be doing Las Vegas of, uh, I know a lot of people are like Las Vegas. Ooh. And no, it's not Las Vegas. 2000. We are not doing that yet. We will do it at some point. I want the time to be right. Um, maybe we won't even do it until the 30th anniversary. Maybe we'll just wait that long to do it. Cause it's, you know, that kind of show, mm-hmm. but Las Vegas, 2006, uh, Brennan Palomo is going to come on the show with us. He is the host of the better band podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to that show, that's on, uh, iTunes and I believe Spotify and I believe other places as well. I'm sure you can find it. Um, but yeah, uh, I was on his show, so now he gets a chance to come on our show. Cool. I know he's a big fan, so uh, excited to, to do that. Hopefully, we can schedule the time for it. Yes. But, um, yeah, I'll have to add you in on those emails. Uh, anything else before uh, before we head off? Any final words? Uh, I think that's it. All right, then. This is the end. Bum, 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 or however that goes. Uh, uh, we're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. And I miss you always. Thank you so much. Once again, if this is your first time, your last time, or if you're coming back next week and we'll always come back. We, we thank you for tuning into the show and, uh, I miss you already. I miss you always. We will see you next time. Bye.